Hey LaGrange has official merch. We're selling a cool coffee mug and a hot tea. And we're even selling a fundraising tea to support the LaGrange Food Bank. Check it out at heylagrange.bigcartel.com. That's heylagrange.bigcartel.com. And get you some today. Use code PODCAST for 10% off at checkout. Hey, LaGrange. I'm Earl Gordon Barnett, and you're listening to the only podcast about LaGrange, Georgia. If you're just discovering the show, welcome. If you're a tried-and-true listener, like I know some of you are, thanks for sticking it out on this journey with me. My interview this week has been featured in your mailbox and on your TV for the last campaign season. He's State Representative Bob Trammell. Bob Hills from Lutherville, Georgia, but has his office in LaGrange and represents much of LaGrange in the State Assembly. Thus, I thought it would be a good idea to sit down and pick his brain and figure out what he's all about. Our interview covers topics as diverse as his role in the State Assembly, how long he served, his role as a father at home, his favorite memories of LaGrange, and which part of the chicken is the finger. I had a lot of fun with this high-profile interview and hope you enjoy listening. Okay, I'm here with Representative Bob Trammell. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the podcast today. Um, well, I guess we'd start with your formal title as representative. What does that include? Well, I am the state representative for House District 132. House District 132 uh, includes about two-thirds of the city of LaGrange, uh, the city of Hogansville, uh, Mountville, and then parts of um, Coweta County and Meriwether County. Okay. Uh, I actually live in Meriwether County in the big town of, of Luthersville, uh, where, where my dad grew up uh, and where I grew up as a kid. Um, but the, uh, the job entails, it's a, it's a part-time position. Our, our state legislature in Atlanta uh, is a citizen legislature, so it's not a full-time job. Okay. It meets for 40 days of the year. We go to the Capitol on the second Monday. We convene on the second Monday in January. Uh, we convene for 40 legislative days, and we make the laws uh, that affect the state of Georgia. Well, I don't think I knew it was part-time, but okay. Um, Feels like it's full-time sometimes. <laughs> uh, and, uh, Especially this time of the year. But you know, I mean, it's uh, the the lawmaking portion is the is the part time responsibility mm-hmm. because the legislature is not in session year round. Um, when uh, when we're not in the regular session, um, of course, constitutionally, the governor can call a special session um, to deal with an emergency. That's happened twice since I've been a representative. Uh, the first time was after the 2018 election, Governor Deal called a special session uh, ostensibly to deal with Hurricane Michael uh, and uh, to to try to provide some relief. And then the second time was this year where we had, um, we actually suspended the the regular legislative session this year because of the coronavirus Mm -hmm. pandemic. And the governor declared uh, a state of public health emergency, which was, uh, I don't think that had ever been invoked in, in Georgia's history. Um, but the the powers essentially gave the governor emergency powers, and it requires uh, by statute ratification of the general assembly uh, in a special session 
um, I think the the next business day after it was declared. So he declared it on a Saturday, and then we had a one-day session mm-hmm. where the sole question was whether or not to, to ratify uh, the governor's decision to make that declaration. And obviously with the coronavirus pandemic, that was um, something that we all did because it was, uh, you know, a, a new... Um, a new thing we're facing, we're still facing, and uh, we wanted to make sure that we gave the, the governor the authority he needed to, to do what was necessary uh, at the time to, to deal with it. Since you brought up the coronavirus, um, what, have, what has the state legislature done to provide for Georgians? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, when we first faced the coronavirus, Uh, We were in the, um, it was obviously in March, we were in our regular session, uh, and Georgia has two budgets. It has a a small budget called the supplemental budget, which is basically a true up of the the previous fiscal year, and we were were just taking that up. and the the one thing we did in the in the supplemental budget uh, was to to provide for uh, at the time, essentially a hundred million dollars in discretionary funds to the governor to to start addressing it. Now, subsequently, Congress obviously passed the CARES Act, which uh, meant that a lot of money, a lot of federal money, flowed to the state for distribution uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, which was a great help both to the state and to uh, to, to local governments. Um, but then we also had to deal with the, uh, when we considered the, the regular budget, exactly how we would continue to, to keep open uh, the state agencies that are, are really dealing with a lot of the, um, the brunt of the pandemic. And obviously the, the public health departments have sort of taken uh, a leading role on testing and contact tracing and sort of distributing, providing protocols for what's mm-hmm. safe. Um, uh, and then you have the, you know, the Department of Labor. I mean, candidly, um, the, the, the virus has sort of overwhelmed uh, mm-hmm. some of the capacity on those. I mean, we don't have, uh, the testing has sort of uh, ebbed and flowed. Or initially, mm-hmm. we were mm-hmm. behind the curve on testing, as a lot of states were. Yeah. Um, and the, the contact tracing has sort of uh, not been as robust as is it probably as it probably should be, mm-hmm. um, and you know those are things that we have to continue to get better at, uh, particularly as the the months get colder, um, and we're going to see an increase again in cases, which you're already seeing uh, across the country and in some parts of Georgia because as the weather gets colder, people spend more time indoors. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and when you're indoors more, uh, it's just a um, easier to uh to spread the virus uh because it's a uh tran- of the way it's transmitted um and then the other part that has uh been a little frustrating is the department of labor um when um obviously a lot of people had um job consequences that uh-huh. flowed uh from from the pandemic either a, a partial loss of work or a total loss of work uh-huh. in some cases. And so there was a huge surge in unemployment insurance uh, claims and the, the Department of Labor simply wasn't staffed to, to, to deal with that. 
I think they have been playing catch up is still something where, you know, our office feels inquiries from constituents looking for for some help where they've been in the process for a long time. And, you know, we we try to assist uh, the best we can, uh, but it is a, um, it is, it's to, it, to some extent, they don't have enough people okay. working at, at the department. So uh, it's kind of a long answer to say that the state has obviously some, some key responsibilities when it comes to the combating the, the coronavirus. And, um, you know, it's, it's still, there, there's a lot of room for improvement. Mm-hmm. I get that. Um, and why are you the appropriate choice for the, why are you the appropriate choice for the future? Yeah, well, the for, for one thing, I mean, I, I'm proud of the record. I've been the representative from House District 132, and in my time as a representative, I have I've used that time to champion things like better healthcare access for Georgians. Um, specifically, Medicaid expansion is something that I've fought for every year um, that I've been in the General Assembly. And, and the core of it is that, you know, we could cover half a million Georgians who uh, don't have medical coverage presently if we just accepted the funds under the Affordable Care Act that are provided like 38 other states have done. So what that means is basically Georgians are paying for Medicaid expansion, but we're not getting the benefits of Medicaid expansion. Our federal tax dollars go to other states, the other 38 states that have expanded it, and we don't get anything in return. And the other part is that you know our health is so interconnected. That's one thing that uh, we should have already known, but to the extent that we didn't know it, the coronavirus has certainly shown us. So it's it's not sufficient that I might have coverage because if um, I have coverage and my neighbor doesn't have coverage and my neighbor gets sick and isn't able to, to go to the doctor, then that, has, that obviously has consequences. And in, in rural communities where you don't have, you don't have coverage for a large, a large number of residents, The hospitals have experienced a lot of financial strain and we've seen some hospital closures. And so if your hospital closes, whether you have insurance or you don't have insurance, if you have a heart attack and it takes you 45 minutes or a stroke or an hour to get to the hospital, you know, your insurance coverage isn't gonna do you any good in that situation. So, So these are parts of the interconnectedness of health that make that. So so I'm committed to continuing that fight uh, for healthcare. Uh, I'm committed to making sure that we don't take resources out of our classrooms in the midst of a global pandemic when our teachers and, and students uh, need them the most. I think that the other thing that voters and constituents want is they want someone who is responsibly creating public policy about how to address the pandemic. and. You know, unfortunately, a lot of the, there's a lot of politicization about the, the mitigation measures that apply to, to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, masks are, are certainly something that, that could, uh, could be done rather easily. And there's um, sort of a, a divide that has emerged on that, unfortunately. And, and you know, a lot of that is just the, the, the failure of leadership to take the politics out and put the public health 
stance mm-hmm. forward. So in a nutshell, the, I think that our health is really stake in this election, and it's really incumbent on voters to elect representatives, you know, all the way from the, the state legislature in, in Congress, the president who are concerned about the health of the, the citizens of the, of the state uh, and the country and, um, and, and make sure that, um, you know, they're taking seriously the responsibility and the opportunity we have to, to do some things to, to mitigate the virus. So how long have you been a state representative? How long have you been a state representative? So I was elected in 2014, uh, which means that, you know, my first uh, legislative session was January 2015. So mm-hmm. at the end of this year, it'll be a full full six years. Um, and it's a, it's a two-year term, okay. uh, which means that I've um, been elected three times, obviously running uh, for a fourth term on the ballot this year. And, you know, the other thing um, is that since... July of 2017, it's been my, my privilege and honor to serve as the Democratic leader uh, in the State House. My, my colleagues uh, elected me in, uh, in 2017 uh, to serve in that role. And basically the, the Democratic leader, the leader of either party in, in, the, in the House is responsible for organizing uh, the floor debate and mm-hmm. representing the uh, and representing the positions of the caucus uh, in the General Assembly. Uh, and I, um, you know, I'm honored that my colleagues trusted me to do that. It's given me the opportunity to uh, advocate for uh, a lot of positions uh, and a lot of things that would help a lot of Georgians, and, and that's, been, uh, that's been really exciting. Okay. Um, as far as I've gotten to know the folks around here, they, now there are liberal folks, but they tend to lean more conservative. Is it hard being a Democrat and a Democrat elected official in a conservative area? Now, I find it very hard to believe that you've been elected for three terms and soon to be a fourth, I hope, um, in a very conservative area. Do you understand my question? Yeah, I think I understand your question, and, and uh, what what I would say is that, you know, at the end of the day, what people really care about, once you get past sort of how people identify themselves on the ideological mm-hmm. spectrum or, or what political party they are, you know, the things that we care about are, are common. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we care about making sure that our family members have uh, access to quality health care. You know, we want our kids to go to quality schools. We want to breathe clean air. Uh, we want to drink clean water. And I think that for, for me, the approach has always been to, to talk about those things. Uh, and, and voters sort of gravitate towards that. And we're not, look, nobody's going to agree 100% of the time on every, every yeah. policy that, that you advocate for. Or, or that you uh, oppose. But I think what, what voters really want to know is that, that you have the best interests of the people at heart and that you're willing to listen, mm-hmm. which, is a, which is a huge part of it is, I mean, I'll always listen to, if somebody calls and they want to talk about a specific piece of legislation or an issue, I will always hear you out. 
I can't say that at the end of the conversation, we're always going to agree, but your representative ought to uh, be a sounding board that you can go and, and talk to. And I've, I've tried to do that from the, from the very first day that I was elected uh, and continue to do that to this day. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, you know, people, no matter what their partisan affiliation, uh, appreciate that. Okay. Um, so what led you into politics? You know, that's a great question. When I was a kid, I was always kind of interested in in government. I, you know, uh, watched the news. But I think that uh, what led me to pursue elected office was um, my my um, my dad was in when he retired. He was a college professor, and when he retired, he uh, retired to look after my grandmother. Uh, who had Alzheimer's, okay. and uh, when he did that, the our our city, uh, our small town, Luthersville, was sort of in the throes of uh, of a crisis. It was a financial crisis. the The city was said to be insolvent. There were a lot of there were a lot of issues swirling around, and and there was actually a demand for the city to surrender its charter, uh, which would have ended the city. and And my father had. Uh, such a great deep love for for Luthersville, uh, you know where where he grew up, where my family has been for a long time, and it was really unimaginable to him that Luthersville would sort of cease, cease to exist. Cease to exist, and uh, and that's how he got into elected office. He uh, first started as a volunteer, kind of acting as a de facto uh, city manager to sort of help the city get back on its feet. And uh, and then ran for mayor, uh, was elected, you know, f- uh, five times. Um, and watching him and the and the good he was able to do was was really a, a model and sort of inspiration for getting involved in um, what an elected official could do. And so I didn't know that that would necessarily ever ever come along or be something that I would do. But uh, but I, but I have to say that uh, you know my experience, kind of watching my dad, was certainly a a large motivating factor in understanding that 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 you could use you could use an office mm-hmm. to really help people. Yeah. And um, and that's that's why I wanted to do it. When when the opportunity came available in 2014, we had a wonderful representative, uh, Representative Carl Von Epps from from here in Lagrange, who had uh, represented this district uh, for a little better than 20 years, and he was retiring and he called okay. me. Um, I, um, you know, I, I really thought hard about it, and at the, uh, but at the end of the day, for me, it was about the kind of, I had a one-year-old at the time and uh, had one on the way. And for me, it was really about the kind of Georgia that I wanted my kids to grow up in and to, um, to an opportunity to, Sort of advocate for for that Georgia uh, and and for kids kids like my kids, and uh, and I'm grateful I've had that chance. Doing the math, that puts our kids at about the same age. Mine are five and two. Yeah, so our kids are uh, are very close. Mine are so I have three. Uh, oh. my, my seven year old is uh, Mary, uh, my six year old Virginia, and my two year old son Bob. Oh, okay. I've got a five year old Alice there. And a two-year-old Auden. Neat. Well, you are um, 
I hope your two-year-old is letting you sleep a little more than my <laughs> two-year-old isn't. Um, he's he's the early riser in the house, so no, try to actually, keep him out of the. My Auden sleeps for three-hour naps and all night long. Wonderful! Wow! It's beautiful! It's That's great! So oh, it's great. But I, I wouldn't trade. I mean, it's been one of the it's been one of the joys about the silver linings of of the pandemic has meant you know more more time. Uh, at home during regular intervals because mm. normally there's a lot of travel uh, involved so uh, while I'm at the house uh, you know I, sometimes I come often I get there after the kids are in bed leave before they're awake mm-hmm. um, and with with the sort of coronavirus schedule I have been I've been there when they get up in the morning and uh, so the from from about that 5 a.m. hour, you know, until about 6 6:45, uh, has been a real uh, a real joy to uh, to spend with my son in the morning. We do everything from uh, you know I, he helps me make the coffee and uh, and he talks about drinking the coffee. Obviously, <laughs> he doesn't do that. Uh, he likes to read books during that time, and it's just a, it's just a special time. That's a precious age. It really is. It really is. And it's amazing how they become little people right before your eyes. Yes. They're the, two is the perfect age. It's just, it's so wonderful. They're still babies, but somehow they're also, they talk like little people. Oh my gosh, it's so precious. <sighs> that makes for a great transition. Because this is a part-time job, what do you do on the rest of your time? So the... I, I like to say that I am a uh, I'm full time dad, uh, <laughs> you know. But the um, my um, my I guess professional uh, job is uh, that I'm a lawyer. Okay. And uh, have have been practicing law now for uh, a little over twenty years. The uh, I don't practice as much law as I did before I uh, was in the uh, was elected to the general assembly. But uh, you know, it it's it's a. Um, I started I started my legal practice. I was a law clerk for a, for a district court federal judge, and then I worked at a large uh, a large law firm. Okay. And I decided that the large law firm. I decided pretty quickly that the large law firm wasn't for me. Worked with a lot of great lawyers. Worked for a lot of great clients. But at the end of the day. I really wanted to use my law degree to sort of help people with more people, people problems. Makes sense. And uh, so I moved home and and started my law practice. Okay. You know it's it's been uh, it's been very rewarding. It's hard to believe when I said out loud I've been practicing law for <laughs> over twenty years. Uh, it seems like I just got started, but uh, but that's my that's my day job, and uh, it it kind of. In some ways, dovetails with the with the legislature nicely because you know obviously in the legislature we're making, mm-hmm. you know, making laws and um, it gives us being a lawyer gives a little familiarity with the, the procedure and so I think that the initial learning curve for what was happening was a little more uh, you could get get up to speed a, a little more quickly probably. I'd be honest, and most politicians I've met are lawyers well i mean that's a common um you know that that's a that's a common conception uh, but the you know the reality is for for at least the the legislature mm-hmm. there are 
all different types of okay. careers and, and uh, profession. We have, you know, literally anything you can think of represented. You know, we have a large, a significant number of retired retired members of, of the General Assembly, but there's, um, there, there isn't something I can immediately think of, um, a career path that isn't represented in the General Assembly in, okay. in some form or fashion. Obviously, there's IOC and the bartender that everybody knows so well, but... Well, we have, uh, you know, we have a couple of uh, restaurateurs, uh, <laughs> you know, who um, uh, have, probably have the, uh, the experience of, of, of tending bar. Um, <laughs> you worked uh, so much more, so much more eloquently than I did. The, uh, <laughs> but it's, a, it, it's really a great, it's a really a great cross-section of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, uh, you know, one of the, uh, one of the things that makes the, the General Assembly um, a, a real, a true, true body that can take into consideration all uh, in, in its best moments you know all the all the best aspects of Georgia because you have uh, members who have such different life experiences that they can bring to bear to inform inform public policy, uh, and that it's not you know it's not something that's exclusive to um, uh, a few people or a, a certain certain career path. Um, you know it's part time, and the, the the one caveat to that is, you know, not every. Um, because it is part time, mm. um, you know, there it is prohibitive for um, for if if you can't yeah. take that three months out of the year to mm-hmm. um, to you, spend at the Capitol to to make the laws. Yes, yeah, you can't go work at McDonald's and be a representative. It it it, it makes there there are definitely um, there are definitely jobs that it's it would be much harder to do, if not impossible to do while you're still doing that. But um, it's, uh, it's a, um, I, I think that having a citizen, I, that the aspect I like about it is that, you know, you don't get trapped in a bubble. I mean, I, I drive back and forth every day. Um, I spend the night at home. And so it's, uh, you, you, you can't get, you, you don't get so removed from like real life mm-hmm. and like what happens and what matters. And I think that's important. What are the best resources that have helped you along the way? Well, I think the best resources uh, have always been uh, personal experiences of people that, um, that, I, that I trusted and who were, um, and also the experiences learning from people who had uh, had done things that I wanted to do, so sometimes that comes in the form of conversations uh, with with people that I might know or might seek out, okay. and sometimes that comes in the form of books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously in uh, in politics, uh, there there are a ton of you know there are a ton of books about uh, different figures in history and kind of things that they've done. Um, and I think that that has been a real, you know, at different points along the way, a, a real resource. I'll say that, you know, when I, when I think about the, it's going to sound funny, but when I think about the things that have sort of grounded and given me the best political advice or political wisdom, um, it's pretty much conversations that I had with my grandfathers when I was a kid. Okay. 
uh, and advice. And I'll give you uh, I'll give you an example in uh, you know in a recent um, recent interview. Someone asked me about the there, there's a a huge you're, you've probably seen this and listeners of your podcast have probably seen there there are all these attack ads they're on the TV they're on the radio they're in your mailbox they're um, and, and there's a group that's spending a, a million dollars which is just sort of an obscene excessive uh, expenditure on that and somebody asked me about well what do you think about that and uh, and the first thing I thought of was um, was what my granddaddy used to say about money uh, and my granddaddy was a farmer and granddaddy said money was like manure that uh, it worked best when you spread it around to make things grow and when you pile it up in one place it starts to stink <laughs> and um, you know I don't know I don't even remember the first time or the context that I heard it in but it was kind of one of those things I was like oh you know granddaddy said money was like manure and uh, but it was so memorable and here you know years later uh, in a in a in a weird life experience that I'm in the middle of, um, that kind of advice you know really uh, really came uh, it came true, and, uh, and, and it really is a, is an example. But but I think that those those lessons that you learn as a kid, mm-hmm. you know from from teachers and um, from from family members, uh, are really the the fundamental building blocks for what you want to do in life and, and, uh, and, and the choices that you make in life. Because uh, there's, there's really a lot of firm uh, guidance and, and grounding in those. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful uh, for, for the people in uh, my, my childhood and growing up who, uh, who took time, you know, in, in Sunday school and at home and uh, in school to uh, to instill those types of lessons sometimes when I didn't even know what they were talking about. Huh. I hope I'm that kind of grandpa. I don't think I'm that wise, but okay. Well, a lot of times the wisdom that um, you don't necessarily recognize, you don't recognize it as wisdom that you pass pass along. You're, you're sort of passing along some, some tip of experience, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it, it, there, there often is, uh, a great wisdom to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, like I said, my, my grandfather was a, you know, farmer, high school education. My, mm-hmm. my other grandfather had a fifth grade education, you know, was a machinist that, um, worked at Lockheed and, uh, and built C5s. Um, but they, um, if, if they were here today, I mean, I would have no doubt that, if I was in the middle of, you know, uh, a big problem, that they would be two of the people that uh, first on my list to, to call to help work it out. Because they just had that sort of life experience and, you know, good grounded common sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes that's what you really need. And now a word from our sponsors. And now back to the show. LaGrange questions. Okay, we're in an office overlooking Main Street in LaGrange. And obviously you must have rented this office at some point. Now, can you tell me the story behind renting the office? Sure. 
Well, the uh, Lagrange is a great place to um, to have to do business. Um, but I I really, when I was first elected in 2014, um, I wanted to have a space that uh, when I was here. Uh, in either meeting for, for local governments or for a political event um, that I could sit down and, and work from. And then in 2000, uh, I think in late 2015, I really wanted to expand my legal practice here in LaGrange. So I, uh, I wound up hiring uh, a lawyer who is uh, Melissa Sams, who is my, my colleague and partner, uh, and, and she um, she was working at the courthouse here in Troop County uh, at the time, and uh, so we wanted to make sure we had a place uh, where we could meet clients. And because I also have my, my office at uh, home, you know, we, we wanted to have an office that made sense for us. We, we fell in love with this location because it's, it's sort of the, the perfect size, you know, for, uh, for meetings. Uh, it's very convenient. It's easy to to get to for uh, for everybody, and and that's kind of how we've been here now. I guess going on the better part of four four years. Okay. Um, what do you wish you had known when you first moved into town? Well, um, that's a good question. Uh, I I think if I had known that, uh, I think I would have done this. I would have done this earlier. Had I known like how um, how successful it would have been, you know the the thing about opening an office, um, and I've had um, I've had two offices before uh, in in my um, in my legal career as a owning a owning a law office, and I was a little hesitant to do it again because frankly it can sometimes mean that you you feel like you're really nowhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're running back and forth between two spots, and uh, and I was a little bit gun shy, you know, for a while for doing that for that reason. Uh, but this this has turned out to to really be um, a, a seamless experience that that's worked out really well. And I think that uh, again, part of that is that this is in a great setup. You know, it's a suite of offices, and it uh, you know it. It gives you the, the the privacy that you need, but it also but it doesn't give you um, some of the the overhead responsibility that I had you know when I had had done it before and and that was kind of uh, uh, something that I was a hesitation about. So I think that's it. Would have done it sooner had I you know how known how sort of turnkey it really was. So what's your favorite story since about LaGrange since you've been here? Well, the favorite favorite story about LaGrange, you mean just something that's happened since I've been in LaGrange or um well, do you have any highlights? Well, there are a lot of highlights in in terms of um you know, we've 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 witnessed some some real history here. I think that the the thing that is most remarkable, if I had to point to one thing uh, since I've been the, the representative, is the, the the ceremony where there was the apology, um, the police apology mm-hmm. for the Austin Calloway lynching. Um, that just doesn't happen in in communities mm-hmm. in uh, you, you know in the United States, but particularly in the South. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that really said a lot about who we are as a community in LaGrange and the promise uh, that we, we have here uh, in LaGrange. And um, just being at the, the Warren Temple um, Church uh, for that was a really powerful experience and something that I'll um, you know, carry with me all my life. Okay, let's change up the pace. Something a little more chipper. Okay. What is your favorite spot or place in LaGrange? So, you know, my dad was a college professor, uh, and uh, he, uh, while, while he was not a college professor here at LaGrange College, <laughs> um, you know, the hill is, is certainly um, okay. my, probably my favorite place because it uh, has that college, and it's just a beautiful, you know, it's on highest hill in LaGrange, uh, a beautiful spot. Okay. What is your favorite, um, it says go to order, but since the pandemic to go order, um, at your favorite restaurant or bar in LaGrange? So you're, you're going to probably laugh, uh, but the, uh, I, I having kids, we, we have a lot of sort of kids, type eating okay i um, understand but uh but i like the chicken finger plate at jim bob's okay if i've gotta if i've gotta eat uh mm-hmm. and i need need something to take out that's uh that's where i'm gonna go i love chicken and <laughs> uh you know like those chicken fingers and the the special sauce which part of the chicken is the finger <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> All right. Um, favorite thing about Lagrange? Yeah, what's your favorite thing about Lagrange? Uh, it's definitely the people. You know, the um, Lagrange has uh, just a, a, a friendliness uh, and, and good people, um, and that's that's my favorite part. Uh, love love my constituents, and uh, just uh, it's an honor to to represent an area with such great people. Okay, next to last question, this section. What is the hidden gem in LaGrange that no one else knows about? The hidden gem in LaGrange that no one else knows about. Um, you are its representative, so you need to know <laughs> these things. I, I do my best to promote, you know, to promote. So the, the, the thing that makes this question difficult is um, that no one else knows about. Um, you know, I think that... Uh, I think some of it is the musical, uh, the musical um, connections that, uh, that that Lagrange has. Oh, you know, okay. Uh, Chip Moments. Uh, the um, he is. Um, th- there's just a lot of uh, a lot of folks who have uh, had a big impact on music that that have a tie, you know, to to Lagrange, and I, I think that's great. Um, I always like. Um, like discovering a new, and this happens so so obviously you know is when I'm when I'm reading something and uh, and someone is born you know they have mm-hmm. they have a title Lagrange and that's the fun part is uh, representing an area where you know people have done such great things not just in music but so you're a big Bubba Sparks fan. You know, Bubba Sparks was getting his uh, sort of getting his foot in the door and getting his start when I was. Uh, uh, a, a college student at the University of Georgia, so... <laughs> I, I thought that was going to be too deep a cut for you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
So we, uh, we, we certainly know his collaboration with Dr. Dre, you know. Um, <laughs> I absolutely. thought that was too deep cut for you. All right, well done. All right, um, it's not on the list, but how great is it that you get to live in your hometown? Like you get to represent your hometown, you get to live in your hometown. Well, it's uh, your dad saved your hometown. Like that is just awesome. It it's something that I never I never imagined growing up as a kid. But it's um, it, you know to say it's pretty special doesn't do it justice because it is uh, literally there's no place that I can go that I don't have you know a series of, of deep memories about either riding around um, with um, my granddaddy in the truck or playing as a kid, you know, things we did with dad and mom, I did with my sister. Now watching my own children, you know, inhabit some of these same spaces uh, and discover them anew and to, um, you know, to to represent an area that um, I just have a deep affection and and love for is, um, is pretty awesome. Some random questions for fun. Representative Trammell, what are you most excited about right now? Well, I think the thing I'm most excited about is uh, getting getting through the election. I'll be, uh, I'm, I'm very excited about that. I'll be the second most excited person in my house. Uh, <laughs> you know, my wife will, will be most excited. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, the, as we talked about with, you know, with one young kids, um, the uh, every day is, uh, has its own excitement and watching them discover the world and, you know, sort of learn their place in the world is, uh, is, is definitely um, the, the number one thing and most exciting for me. Okay. Um... If you could be a superhero, what power would you possess? Well, I always thought the Green Lantern had, you know, a pretty good good power. I mean, he could pretty much do whatever he wanted with uh, as long as it was green, uh, and that gives him gives you a lot of flexibility. Uh, so I, I think that that's that's probably what I would do. Uh, other than that, you know, the the Wonder Twins. Uh, if I had a <laughs> if I had a twin, I could you know change into <laughs> whatever I wanted to. Uh, I think that's a pretty pretty cool power too. <laughs> Wonder Twins powered activate. That's right. All right. Um, country rock or hip hop? So I have a very eclectic taste in in music, uh, and I uh, I like all of the above. You know, a little bit. Sometimes you you feel like a little bit of rock and roll. Uh, sometimes you feel like a a little bit of hip hop, uh, and, and sometimes you feel like a little bit of country. Now, for for rock, uh, sort of more the um, more the Almond Brothers type. You know, for country, what I would call um, you know either your classic country uh, or outlaw country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your your Waylon Jennings. Um, your, um, you know, I wouldn't call Merle Haggard outlaw country, but but that's the that's the type of you know country music mm-hmm. that uh, that I that I like. Um, I'm probably a little bit of uh, it's it's uh, I date myself with the uh, with the hip hop, but uh, <laughs> you know I, I certainly um, you know like um, 
uh, Outcast and um, Lil Wayne. Uh, okay. They're realize they're probably not as uh, prolific. Hey, I'm not here to judge. Right. But uh, but I like a lot of different kinds of music. Okay. Um, what's your favorite food? Well, chicken fingers, apparently. <laughs> well, I like I like chicken uh, for sure, and uh, the a random sort of a random aside is that uh, I um, for about a year a year and a half I uh, I eat what is called a a low carb a low carb high fat. Okay. So I eat a lot of meat, mm-hmm. and uh, so I uh, I, eat, I like. Uh, Chicken, chicken wings, steak, mm-hmm. things that, you know. Now, would you venture as far to call that ketogenic? So I I have, uh, when I started, I was certainly ketogenic. Okay. And, uh, but I, I, I am not as strict on the, on the carbs. I can uh, see the headlines now. Bob Trammell, <laughs> ketogenic diet. Well, it's in my Twitter bio. Oh, okay. It says uh, LCHF, low carb, high fat. Okay. And that's definitely true. Liberal Bob Trammell. <laughs> and I, but more or less, no one has, um, and my wife is going to kill me for this part of a second because she, she, she doesn't like me talking about, um, about this. Uh, but I have the sweetest sweet tooth. Mm. Uh, I love sweets. I, ever since I was a kid, you know, I right just love them. Um, but I, um, I decided to that uh, that I was probably eating too much sugar, okay. and uh, and that's part of what got me on this was a desire to sort of you know cut uh-huh. you know basically cut out and cut back on 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 the sugar aspect. Okay, makes sense. Um, favorite beverage. So I I used to really um, I used to drink a lot of uh, diet diet coke. Okay. Uh, I tried to drink less diet coke. I still still like it, um, but uh, again, you know, if now if I have to order something, I'd probably order an unsweet tea. Ah, that's a very safe answer. All right, if you didn't do this job or lawyer, what would you be doing? Well, if I was talented enough, you know, I uh, I might be a singer, but I don't have the uh, I don't have the talent to uh, to to do um, singing. But I, you know, if I if I wasn't doing this and I wasn't being a lawyer, you know, there um, I, I come from a family of educators, uh, and the uh, and I would definitely um, and, and sometimes I think about doing that, you know, teaching. Um, because uh, I think that that is important, um, very important work, uh, and that uh, it, uh, I've forgotten the, the Adams that, that said it, um, but, you know, a teacher impacts eternity. Yeah. And, um, and, and really, when I think about where um, the opportunities I've had and the experiences I've had, you know, the common denominator in the mall is um, a teacher somewhere mm-hmm. along the way. Prior to the brain tumor, I was a teacher, and it was very fulfilling. Yeah. Yes. What well, grade did you teach? Um, I taught high school. Yeah. It was, I taught a variety of grades, but the yes. Su- the subject you teach is... Um, my primary subject was history. Okay. Yeah. But 
that's a story for another day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything I should have asked you in this interview but didn't? I think we covered a lot of topics. Um, I'm sure the answer to that question is yes, but I can't <laughs> think of uh, I can't think of what the question is at the moment. Yeah, there's always something. <laughs> um, well, how can my listeners connect with you besides going to the voting booth? So the if if I can ever be a help, the best way is to text me. Uh, my cell phone number is seven seven zero. Three one six six zero four three again seven seven zero three one six six zero four three. You can follow me on Twitter. My handle is um, at Trammel Bob. Um, you can follow me on uh, on Facebook. Um, just type my name in. I can't remember the exact um, and, and follow the Bob Trammel for State House um, way. And uh, and those are those are probably the best ways. Email can sometimes get a little uh, get a little crazy, uh, but you can also um, always email my government office my email address if you go to uh, the state of Georgia House Representatives and, and click that email. Uh, we certainly get that communication, but you know, text or Twitter is always fastest. Wow, he just gave you his personal cell phone number. Okay. Well, Bob Trammell, um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for sitting down with me today. You bet. Thanks for the chance. Hey, all right. Have a great day, guys. Well, that was the interview. I hope you enjoyed listening. If you like what you heard, show your support with a $4 donation on www.patreon.com forward slash Lagrange. Don't forget to follow on social media and leave us a comment and review on whatever podcast platform you listened on. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider sharing it with someone else you think will enjoy it as well. Email me your thoughts on today's show at earlgbarnett at gmail.com. Subscribe and like wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a comment for bonus points. Follow at Earl Barnett on Twitter, at Earl G. Barnett on Instagram. Follow the podcast at Hey LaGrange on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy your week, and remember that creativity takes courage.